I have used a lot of commerce platforms in the past. By far, the most robust is Shopify. No matter how complex your business needs and no matter how large your business grows, Shopify can handle it. And they do handle it for brands like Rothy's, Ruggable, Allbirds, Knox, Magnolia, Brooklinen, Glossier, and Cotton, to name a few. You may already use another e-commerce platform and you may be super unhappy with it, but you've already put a lot of work into it and migrating to Shopify could seem impossible. But I'm here to tell you that it is quite easy. When I migrated to Shopify back in 2022, their apps and tools meant I just had to make a few clicks and everything was ported over as if by magic. Shopify also lets you design your storefront however you like, which from personal experience I know isn't the case for many other commerce platforms out there. All these features and all this control can result in more sales more often. So stop leaving sales on the table, switch your business to Shopify today, and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their businesses. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial at shopify.com forward slash practical, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com forward slash practical, shopify.com forward slash practical. Hello and welcome back to Practical Stoicism. I am your host, Tanner Campbell, and today there's no meditation. Instead, we're going to have a conversation about masculinity. And moving forward, while I'm on the topic of format changes, one day a week is going to be spent reflecting on something topical and relevant, though I am going to stay away from hot-button political issues of the day. I'm not looking to ostracize any of you or take political sides in this or that current event. Alternatively, perhaps I'll spend an episode answering questions from listeners. Another day of the week is going to feature a segment at least once hosted by my very, very good friend Eric DeMott. It's going to be called Practical Cynicism. Cynicism is like very hardline stoicism, but without the social responsibility element of it. In fact, Eric has described cynicism as like the monk version of stoicism, where stoicism is this very practical day-to-day application of philosophy, and cynicism is almost exactly the same as stoicism, but without the social responsibility element, and you're the type of person that goes into a monastery or a nunnery, and all you do is study text and devote yourself to God. Like, it's that kind of difference. There's the practical stoicism, and then there's almost kind of like impractical cynicism. But I think Eric is going to try to tease out some practical elements of cynicism that can be useful. And the cynics were incredibly influential on the Stoics. It could be said that without cynicism, Stoicism would not exist. So it's a philosophy I think is worth talking about. Now, the truth of this is that I want to test market this. I want to see if some of you are interested in a full-fledged podcast that stands alone and is about cynicism. So these couple of episodes that Eric does, we're going to see how they perform. I would really encourage you to let me know what you think of them. And if they seem really great to you, and if the response is great, then that show will be spun off as a standalone show. I'm not going to start creating regular cynicism content because that's not my thing, but you know, it's worth knowing about. And if there's a hunger for it, then we're going to find that out and there's going to be a new podcast and Eric's going to be the host of that. So that's coming. Expect it probably next week. I also have a desire to this platform being at this point so large, half a million downloads every month. And that's before I moved to publishing seven days a week. So now I'm sure it will be probably something like a million downloads every month. 
I really want to use this platform as a way to introduce healthy interpretations of various forms of philosophy. And if people like them, we might spin those off as their own standalone podcasts on, for example, Buddhism. It's all experimental. I hope that you all are open to that experimentation. I think that you will be. I feel like you all love this stuff. Philosophy in general, you wouldn't be here. And so we're going to see how it goes. So there's a little bit of what to expect in the not-too-distant future. But today is all about masculinity. I would urge the women who are listening not to jump ship on this. I think you're going to like the episode. And I would urge the men who are listening who are about to hear the term toxic masculinity and for whom that is a huge trigger, and I do understand why, to stick through it and actually listen to what I'm trying to say here because I think you're going to get a lot out of it. One of the reasons I started this podcast was because I saw that a lot of young men were being caught in the clutches, to be very dramatic, of people who were in no way prepared to be teaching young men how to become grown men. It is probably the biggest reason I started this podcast, to get to young men and to give them a good and healthy idea of philosophy and masculinity before they fell into the hands or the clutches of these other far less qualified, let's say, masculinity influencers, alpha males, if you take my meaning. So stick through it. I think you're going to get a lot out of this one. Here is a term you have likely heard and really dislike hearing if you're a guy. Toxic masculinity. Activists have so well adopted this phrasing, they may have even invented it, I'm not sure, that we men only tend to hear it when it's being used as a pejorative by an activist. Activists are not, no matter what they're advocating for, usually interested in careful, thoughtful discussion. They are interested in advocating, right? That's what they're doing. And they're more like rhetoricians than they are philosophers. And that's okay. The world requires all kinds of people, and activists certainly play a necessary role. My point in mentioning this isn't to rag on activists. It's to point out the fact that activists have, again, so well adopted this term, toxic masculinity, that when we men hear it, we're immediately on the defensive. And unfortunately, an enormous number of alpha male influencers have sprung out of this tension between what activists mean when they identify masculinity as toxic and what men think they mean, or better yet, what men have come to believe toxic masculinity means as defined by the alpha male influencers who have built their entire brands on the accusation of toxic masculinity being not a fair criticism, but an attack of good men by what they would describe as lunatic feminists. But here's the thing. Toxic masculinity is a real thing, and you actually know that if you just think for a second. A man who abuses his wife is toxic, right? His idea of masculinity is toxic. There's no question in any of our minds that an abusive ogre of a man has a toxic idea of masculinity. So toxic masculinity exists because men who are terrible jerks exist. And yes, women who are terrible jerks also exist, but this episode is about us men. So toxic masculinity is real. And there's this discomfort around talking about it because these alpha male men go their own way type of influencers have used the word as a way of warping, especially young men's minds, into thinking that toxic masculinity doesn't exist and it's actually women who are the problem. Or it's that society is afraid of quote unquote real men. 
You might be asking yourself what this has to do with Stoicism, and I'm going to tell you it has everything to do with Stoicism. I'd like to spend the next few minutes of this episode describing healthy masculinity and suggesting that anything that isn't healthy masculinity is, if not toxic, then woefully incomplete and potentially damaging masculinity that all men should want to fix, solve, improve upon. So then, what does it mean to be a healthy man from a masculinity standpoint? You need look no further than the four cardinal virtues of Stoicism. Number one, a healthy man must be brave, not a warrior, not a pseudo-Spartan who craves an honorable death in combat, but brave. A healthy man must be brave because bravery enables an individual to stand up to tyranny and to stand for justice. Number two, a healthy man must be just, not an immovable stone that can't see the gray area of a situation. For justice and fairness, as we've discussed before, are partners in a healthy society, but just. A healthy man must be just in order to properly think about justice. They must be brave to stand up for it. Number three, a healthy man must be temperate, not milk toast, not indecisive, not without passion, but temperate. A healthy man must be temperate because a temperate disposition enables a man to approach justice without personal bias. Number four, a healthy man must be wise, not omniscient, not an insufferable know-it-all, you know, those guys who say, well, actually, not unwilling to learn, but wise. A healthy man must be wise in order to know how to apply what they already know in order to solve problems without causing new problems. And I'm going to add a fifth virtue. This is not one of the four cardinal virtues of Stoicism. I'm going to suggest that it should be, though, and that is a healthy man must be in service to others. Not a martyr, not a holier-than-thou signaler of false virtue, but in service to others. A healthy man must be in service to others in order that his wisdom, bravery, temperate mind, and love of justice do not go to waste, that they actually have a purpose for having been developed. These are the five healthy pillars of masculinity. And again, notice that four of them are the four cardinal Stoic virtues, plus one of my own. Remember our pavilion of virtue? Well, give it a fifth column and make the roof healthy masculinity instead of virtue. Your work in life as a man, and this is my opinion, is to figure out how to develop these five pillars evenly so that your roof isn't lopsided or resting partially on the ground or completely on the ground in some cases. There is no utility in being all bravery and justice because without wisdom and temperance, you are going to become a tyrannical monster. There's no utility in being wise and temperate because without bravery and a love of justice, you will just become a reclusive coward. And if you are brave, wise, just, and temperate, but not in service, well, then you're just selfish, are you not? You have all the virtues, perfect masculinity perhaps, but you don't apply it to make the world better around you? What use is that? And for the women who are still listening, and I hope they are, these pillars are actually yours as well. That's the real sham of alpha male influencers. They reduce women to these second-class citizens whose value comes not from their own bravery, love of justice, wisdom, temperance, or service, but from their ability to be mothers, housewives, or the emotional support system of men. 
these alpha male influencers have such poorly constructed pavilions of virtue themselves that they are confused by the fact that female bravery and wisdom present differently in the real world. And instead of seeing the nuance, they see women as less than men. And to you men listening, you cannot allow these alpha male lions care not for the opinions of sheep type influencers get their hooks into you because their solutions are not solutions to the problems you actually face. Stoicism, on the other hand, very much can be. Thank you for listening to this episode of Practical Stoicism. If you enjoyed it, if you learned something from it, consider leaving a review of this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or Podchaser.com. Again, if you'd like to get rid of ads and if you'd like to support the show, you can become a premium subscriber by going to stoicism.supercast.com and any support you can give, I would greatly appreciate. Thank you again for listening and until next time, take care. Take care.